I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Okay, Madigan, how are you doing today? Um, that is a very difficult question to answer. I've pretty much just been being like, I'm well, thank you, how are you? (laughs) To, like, the general population, but, um... I don't know. I don't know. I feel I feel weird. I feel angry. I feel really sad. I feel really frustrated. I feel like my mental energy is um, working really hard toward one thing, which feels really good, but also uh, very exhausting. But yeah, I'm finding really healthy ways to try to be a good ally from home because I cannot go out and protest. I work for another family that I have to be responsible for, something that I've discussed with them and with Max and things like that. So I've been making artwork and reading all of the different Wikipedia pages of past uh, victims of police brutality and creating art around it so that I can learn, kind of memorize and learn more of their stories, I guess, and have a better understanding of the history and things like that. So that's what I've been trying to do. But I know you've been out there and participating in it more. So I'm really, really eager to hear your thoughts more than mine since I've been kind of stuck at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's good that you're managing, you know, I don't think anybody close to me is under any delusion that I'm like doing well. I mean, I'm doing fine, like all things considered, but I'm, I don't think I've ever been this angry and I think it's 
in large part because I'm so fucking tired of this. Like, I'm so fucking tired of this. We did this six years ago. Like, you've got my ass out there in a fucking pandemic for something that I've already protested about numerous times in the last six years. Yeah, that's the thing for me that I that I really wanted to ask you your perception of how quickly everybody has suddenly become gung-ho about Black Lives Matter. And I shouldn't say everybody because that's not true. There's a lot of really racist people that are like, hashtag White Lives Matter. But I've noticed that a lot of people that really weren't involved before are involved now, which I think is really wonderful, especially for white allies. And I think that, you know, I've been wondering, are these people who have just been keeping quiet but have always felt this way, but just not publicly on the internet? Or they are they doing this to be trendy? Are they doing it for appearances? Like, I just, there's a lot of questions for me, especially from Blackout Tuesday, seeing everybody and their mother post the black squares. It really made me wonder the legitimacy of a lot of people's feelings and stuff. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, I think it's probably a little bit of all of that. I think that people are definitely at a breaking point. So maybe people who were quietly supportive before um, no longer feel like they can be quietly supportive. And that's great. I do think absolutely there's a lot of performative activism, performative allyship that's happening right now, which in the end, at the end of the day, I think it's net positive, you know, because whatever, whatever it takes, like by any means to get this fucking word out um, is great. However, it is frustrating because it's just like, you're not going to pull up with that same energy in a couple of months, whenever this is over. Right. Well, and they didn't pull up with the same energy six years ago or any other time that this has been happening. Not even a couple weeks ago when you we were talking about Ahmaud Arbery and then Breonna Taylor. And now we're talking about George Floyd. You know, I wonder if it was this like buildup of these three murders in particular that kind of spurred everybody off and especially it being in a pandemic. I don't know. There's I've been thinking about that a lot. Like why now? Like, I'm thank, thank God now, but why not years ago? Like, this shit has been happening forever. What's well, the difference now? I think now? it's a combination of things. I do think it is just relentlessly, we've been seeing it for the last couple of months. Breonna Taylor, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, Christian, uh, Christian Cooper. We've been seeing it nonstop for the last couple of months. And people do get to a point where they break. Like, people are just broken. Like, at this point... I think that that does have something to do with it. I do also think the fact that people have been cooped up inside is part of that as well. Like people have had frustrations over the pandemic. We have inched closer and closer towards civil war in this like culture war that we have been experiencing. Um, I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that we've been stuck inside all of this time absorbing social media probably more than we ever had before. Um, because when we were going out, of course, people are on their phones all the time and they're on social media all the time. But I know that my social media use, the amount that I've been on these sites and on my screen went up significantly whenever I was sitting at home. So I think that that is part of it. Um, yeah, you can't escape it. There is no escapism. Our distractions have been limited. We're not going to bars. We're not going to clubs. These things that we've used to distract ourselves from this, 
I think, you know, we don't have as many of those. And then in addition to that, this specific murder was so horrific. So horrific. Because let me tell you, man, I did both the thing where I went outside at nine o'clock and shined a flashlight into the sky for nine minutes. And then today when I was out, you know, with people, we did a full eight minutes and 26 seconds of kneeling in silence. And let me tell you, that's a long fucking time. It's a it's a long time. So I think the brutality of this murder and the fact that they were so brazen, obviously they didn't think anything was going to happen to them, clearly, or they wouldn't have done it in broad daylight in front of so many fucking people. So right. I think it's a combination of all those factors that finally pushed people over the fucking edge. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about... Um the curfews and things like that just briefly we had discussed before the episode started that we would really like to get into that more maybe on a full-length episode talk about the history of curfews with riots and things like that um but for me it just really felt unfair because it's like the pandemic was already hitting people of color the hardest and then on top of things the curfews are so against people of color or minorities or people of lower class who maybe have to work irregular business hours, have to work nights, have to drive cars through the night. Mm -hmm. That's their job. You're putting people of color, minorities, at risk by doing this. And that's what's really frustrating with these curfews because we're already so stuck inside. It's I just feel like... For the regular human being, it's even more isolating. And then for the people where they have to go out during these curfews, it just sounds horrifying. Well, and in addition to that, don't for a second think that these curfews, that there wasn't a plan with these curfews. Because very often here in Los Angeles, tonight will be the first night this week that there is no curfew planned. Um, And by the way, they don't. They don't enact curfews when there are riots in poor neighborhoods. They don't do that. They enact curfews whenever there are riots in Beverly Hills, when there are riots in white areas. And there's a reason why protesters chose to protest in those areas. The And I want to make it very clear. Looters and rioters and protesters are not interchangeable. You can't use them as though they're all the same people because they're not. But I will say that the choice to protest in rich white areas was deliberate. That was a deliberate choice. And look at the response to moving in to rich white areas. Whenever They would yeah. let poor brown areas burn. They're not going to enact a curfew on that, but they're going to enact right. a curfew when you move into a rich white area. And another reason why they enact curfews is so that they can arrest protesters indiscriminately because if you're out after curfew which by the way here in los angeles they changed the curfew one time they changed it five times in one day and sometimes they only gave people an hour less than an hour to get home because hey it's five o'clock and curfews at six so it gives police an excuse to be able to arrest whoever they want anybody who's out yeah And I think that that's a big reason why they were enacted. Right. And I want to talk a little bit more, too, about 
the looting and things like that, because you mentioned that it's deliberate, that you go into these rich white neighborhoods and protest because that gets results. And that's exactly what I was thinking last week when the Target burned down in Minneapolis, because that is such a status symbol of Minnesota. Like, Minnesotans are really proud of the shit that we like come up with and the people that come out of Minnesota as I'm sure many states are with their things but Target is a big thing of pride and it makes the state a lot of money and popularity so I think the fact that they went for a Target and then go for the police department was saying something huge and I think that that kind of spurred this like well if we really want to get people's attention we have to be strategic about where we're going and then in LA of course we're going to want to go to places like Beverly Hills these richer neighborhoods where we're going to be disturbing the peace of these regular day lives of these people in order for them to pay attention. Let me say too that like Another thing that brought people to their absolute boiling point, this is a race issue, absolutely, 100%. And it's not just a race issue, because I've also seen a lot of people using POC and black people interchangeably. And that's and that's not that's not it. You shouldn't be doing that. Because it's different. POC experience right. and black experiences specifically are different. Well, um, yeah, a person like explain this to me if I'm wrong. But a person of color to me always seems more broad. You're, it's like an umbrella term, and then the and then the black experience is more individual. A person of color subset. I am a black person, right? All black. I mean, there are lots of people of color. Not every person of color is a black person, and the experience right. and the trauma that goes along with being a black person is different. Um, but in addition to you know just the pain of black people and people being fucking sick of this shit, this racist shit, people are also pushed to the edge and I've been saying it for a long time that we are nearing eat the rich level like separation between rich and poor so it's deliberate to go into these rich neighborhoods and let me tell you it makes sense because I went to Beverly Hills the day after the riot or the day after the looting that went on in Beverly Hills and I had to listen to white ladies Talk about how bummed out they are that Alexander McQueen isn't open. Aww. Okay, so like it, it, it is clear, it is very clear yeah. that it's not just white people who like to turn this shit off and sit comfortably at home and find distractions to avoid having to deal with these issues. It's also rich people. Yeah. So definitely. I, I mean, and there's definitely. That's a, a really big conversation that I think we can have, too, because that just kind of made me think of O.J. Simpson a little bit, how he never wanted to get involved with any civil rights movement because he was rich and wanted to be seen as rich and be established amongst that. That is neither here nor there. It just reminded me of that. But well, I think but that's no, 100% you're right because true. People keep using O.J. Simpson as a, fucking 30 years later. People are still using O.J. Simpson as a way to excuse themselves. And what I have to say about O.J. Simpson is, hey, man, if we hadn't had Rodney King, then O.J. may not have gotten away with it. You push the black community. There is a whole other conversation to be had about the context around the O.J. Simpson trial and like right. what happened there and why the black community was ready to stand with O.J. And it's because they did not trust police. Mm-hmm. And why should they have trusted police? 
because we all saw the fucking video of Rodney King getting beat the fuck up and then right. all of those people got off. So it makes sense. None of these things exist in a vacuum. And yeah, yeah. it's shitty that O.J. Simpson got off. He shouldn't have got off. He clearly cl- killed his wife and it sucks that there's no justice there. That really and does Ron suck. Goldman. And Ron Goldman, of course. He's but, just forgotten a lot. I had to mention him. Yeah, but I, I am that whole situation with people bringing that up. Not you, just in general. No, general I know, level. I know. Yeah, it's funny that a lot of people have been using Martin Luther King in a very bad way as well. Uh, people are also using pop culture references such as movies. My cousin, who is a chief of police in Wisconsin, I'm not going to be any more specific than that, posted a photo from the movie Remember the Titans of the two football players, one of the a black player and a white player shaking hands and saying more people should watch this movie. Okay. So I was like, and that's the only thing he said. We've all watched it, honey. Listen, yeah. I watched it. How many times did they wheel in that fucking TV whenever I was in middle school and made us watch Remember the Titans? Okay, we've I all fucking, fucking love seen it. Remember the Titans of so course. much. It's a good movie. Okay, it's a good movie. Don't fucking throw it out right now. Like because yeah. Look, here's the thing. And, and this you're is a what cop. Keeps, and you're a cop. Say here's, say something else. Say do better. You know. Say anything else. Do something. Yeah. Do anything. And like. It's it's making me it's making me fucking crazy. Like and all I can think, I keep replaying in my head that quote from Kathleen Hanna who, you know, was the lead singer of Bikini Kill. We talked about her a lot in our third wave feminism episode. Mm-hmm. Um she has a very famous quote where, you know, she was very aggressive because she was a a punk music singer right. that was dominated by men that that whole thing was dominated by men she was always girls to the front all that shit to protect girls and when people would try and like ask her to be nicer she has a quote where she says i'm not going to sit here and be all peace and love with somebody's boot on my neck quit acting like everybody needs to be nice to each other and that will solve racism because if being nice solved racism we'd be over this shit by now exactly if peaceful protesting solved racism we would not be protesting now there's just so many instances of people in the past getting mad about different ways that black people protest and so who gives a fuck that they're rioting and looting they're never going to make you happy you're never going to be happy with the way that people protest here's the thing here's the thing I'm not pro-looting. Right. I don't love violence. I wish this was happening a different way. I absolutely do. Um, I think that whenever whenever I saw on Twitter that they were going to be going into Van Nuys, I was fully, why the fuck are you going into Van Nuys? Oh, we Because Van Nuys is full of... I was just going to say, we took Penny on a walk that night. We broke curfew (laughs) and took Penny on a walk around like 7.30. And we could hear everything going on in Van Nuys. We are very close. We heard well, but, popping and helicopters. But, but I get, they never should have gone into Van Nuys. They never should have. Because they knew what was going to happen, or they should have known if they didn't know um, what was going to happen. And Van Nuys is full of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's full of people of color, broad, broad umbrella term, people of color, yes, uh, in Van Nuys. They didn't need to show up in Van Nuys. And because of that, there was looting of small businesses and things that were happening in Van Nuys because a lot of the buildings and the businesses were family owned, immigrant owned, um, and which is exactly why they shouldn't have 
popped off there. Okay. Right. Um, so I am absolutely not pro looting. I'm absolutely not pro looting of small businesses. But here's the thing. Usually when somebody brings that shit up to me, it is to derail the conversation. Usually, and I've seen this happen many times on my social media with people I went to high school with or whatever, they'll say something about the looting and rioting and they'll condemn the looting and rioting, but I'll go click on their profile and look at their profile and I don't see a goddamn thing about police brutality. I don't see a goddamn thing about George Floyd. So when you do that, that tells me that you don't care about these issues. You want to chime in and not seem racist. And so you're going to go with the one thing that we can all fucking agree on, which is that, hey, looting is wrong. We know that. Everybody fucking knows that. So you're derailing the conversation by pointing it that way. Right. You're pointing to the wrong to the wrong issue. Like, I think I posted something either to my story or to our story on the podcast. I can't remember what it was, but like, it was something along the lines of if you're saying, you know, it's sad what happened, but you shouldn't be looting. It should be the other way around. Like, it's sad, it's that, sad that you're, you're looting. Looted. It's sad that they're looting and that sucks. But look at what happened to George Floyd. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way it should be looked at. And here's the other part of that. The looting is a byproduct of the situation, right? The situation is police brutality, racism, cops continually going and escalating situations because they are doing that. They're inciting violence. They incited violence in Minnesota. So if you want to point the finger at where this shit started, you can point it there because it is constantly being escalated. It's happened here. I have friends, eyewitness accounts of it happening here. Peaceful protests, peaceful protests where nothing was happening where nothing was happening and police came in and they incited violence yeah like that shit has been happening and by the way this is all part of a larger conversation about the way we in the united states particularly because we're a capitalist country value property over human lives i went and stood out i've been out every day this week with the exception of yesterday Today was the first, my first time going to an actual organized march protest. Um, other than that, I've been working, so I've been taking my lunch breaks uh, and going and finding groups throughout where I live um, and joining them for, my, for an hour and then coming back. So I did that the other day, and there was a group of people in front of a mall here in Sherman Oaks, a very big mall here, and there was the National Guard with fucking assault rifles in front of the mall and they weren't there to protect us (laughs) they're not there to protect the people they're there to protect the stuff in the mall like that's the thing and you look at this and it's just like all of these businesses who were clamoring to reopen during covid they're all boarded up now to protect their stuff whether or not their employees got sick because they decided to reopen too soon that wasn't an issue but their shit is a problem so I'm just so fucking furious about this entire situation. And I realize maybe, I mean, it is called your angry neighborhood feminist, but maybe people don't want to hear me just like bitch for a full fucking however long. But I do. If they don't want to listen to it, they can turn it off. It's our show. We can do what we want to. Sorry, everybody. Not sorry. Um, I do want to bring up a couple more things to get both of our perspectives on here. So one of them is... Mayor Garcetti cutting police funding. This is awesome. 
I'm hoping good things come of it. So Mayor Garcetti is the mayor of Los Angeles. For those of you who are not here, I know we are talking a lot of L.A. stuff recently, but we are living in a tiny bubble and a lot of our news is happening right in our faces. So Mayor Garcetti has called for city budget advisors to find $150 million in cuts to the city budget so that money can go toward jobs, health and education for L.A.'s black community. Uh, there will also be a temporary restriction from putting names of people into Cal Gang database to review how the police department has been using it. Um, so this came after the council president, Nuri Martinez, and four other members of city council called for the slashing cuts. And then, of course, there was retaliation from uh, the Los Angeles Police Protective League, which I have never heard of. But apparently their big concern with budget cuts is that they will have to lay off, they say, most of their employees, which I think is bullshit. Most bullshit. really, it's a bullshit. huge, the police department gets a huge, huge, huge budget every year. Yeah, you will not abs- have to lay off most of your employees. Bullshit. I don't believe that at all. I yeah. would like them to show me their budget then. Show me right. where it's coming from because you have police, and this was something that people have pointed out a lot, is that you have police showing up in full fucking riot gear like they're robocops showing up to these protests. And that costs money, bitches. That costs that money. Costs a lot of money. Yep. Meanwhile, our doctors and nurses trying to fight the COVID epidemic are having to make use of masks over and over again. They're having to use plastic to cover their faces. Right. There's no PPE for our medical teams yeah but we have full riot gear for all of our cops like military grade riot gear right it's very it's very uh clear what they're doing because they're even calling uh this defund plan you know divisive and disrespectful um they're saying that the quickest way to make our neighborhoods more dangerous is to recklessly eliminate police officers it's like and that's not like You know what? There's a lot of ways we could make our neighborhoods less dangerous. We could pump money into our schools. We could give people other avenues for getting out of low income situations. We could help people with mental health issues get the help that they need to cut down on homelessness, to help people find jobs. Like, it's such an easy concept once you just stop to think about it. The ways. Well, not every country has police that are militarized. Exactly. America has militarized police. So you're telling me we need it when other countries don't? Bullshit. Yeah. So I also want to talk about the updates and the charges of the George Floyd case. Um, So Derek Chauvin was originally charged with third degree murder. Now, have you ever heard of third degree murder before, Hegan? I had to Google it. So I Googled it as well, and I found it very fascinating that there are only three states that still use third-degree murder. And sometimes New Mexico. And sometimes New Mexico, which, you know, I was like, hey, ties there. But it's weird because I'm like, what do you mean sometimes? Like, people can just be like, I want to use it now. Yeah, it's. I think it's, I think it is like a tricky case-to-case Thing because there's a very slight difference in it. So second degree is basically any intentional murder with malice, a forethought, but is not premeditated or planned in advance. Sorry, I'm reading my sloppy handwriting right now, so I'm 
having a hard time reading my words. So in Minnesota, the third degree murder has been defined as depraved heart murder, which I found interesting. Um, And it basically means without intent to affect death of any person causing the death of another by perpetrating an act imminently dangerous to others and inviting a depraved mind without regard for human life. So he now has second degree (laughs) or no. Yes. So I was going to say, but I was about to say manslaughter because I had that written down for the other people. So Derek Chauvin now has the charge of second degree murder, Mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. And the other three officers, Thomas Lane, J.A. Quang, is that how you say it? I don't know. And two Tao face two charges of aiding and abetting their fellow former officer, Derek Chauvin, uh, in second degree manslaughter. So those charges, the aiding and abetting charges for manslaughter could be up to 10 years and the second degree murder charges, if he is given the full sentence, will be 40 years. But uh, like I had to say to my mom yesterday, let's not get too excited yet. My mom's like, there's so many evidence. They're all going to be thrown in jail. So it's going to be great. Oh, and I I just sent her the article about, uh, I sent her a Vox article about Philando Castile. And she, as soon as she read it, she goes, oh my gosh, he was the... Um, the lunch service guy, because that's what my mom did for a living. So they worked in districts next to each other. And she remembered that a lot because they had the same job. Here, yeah, here's here's what it is like. You want to know why people are so angry. People are so angry because they never get convicted. Right. And my guess is this time Derek Chauvin will get convicted. The other three, I don't know. But Derek Chauvin will probably get convicted. But let me tell you right fucking now, the only reason any of them are arrested is because of the protests. Yeah, there are protests in every state in this country and in something like 18, 18 other, countries. other countries. It's insane. So we've let been me getting tell you. We've been getting messages from people in other countries mm-hmm. saying that they support it. Like it's my brother's in fantastic. London and he texted me today and he's just like I'm getting more involved in Black Lives Matter. This is what's happening here in London. And let me tell you like proud sister moment. I'm absolutely so proud of yes. him. I told him I was proud of him because also we come from a very conservative family so I'm like I know it's hard. Um to be vocal and to stand up for what you believe in. So I'm really proud of him. But I do want to point that out is like all these people who are like, there's no need for all of this. There's absolutely need for all of this because I guarantee you a hundred fucking percent this never would have happened if we had not been protesting. And if they are convicted, it is because we were so loud about it. That is the only reason. And we can't stop being loud. That's the thing. And that's why I want to continue my education and keep having these conversations, not like I wasn't before, but just taking it a step further, really doing what I can. I feel I feel like a bad feminist being in my house and not protesting and not being out there. I'm kind Here's of dealing thing. with that. There but are different I do lanes. have signs. I do have signs on my windows that say Black Lives Matter, justice for George Ahmad and Brianna and and police brutality. So like I'm doing something. I'm trying. No, I understand those feelings. I get it. I was feeling tremendous guilt. That's why I called out of work today because I was and I straight up I was honest with my my work and I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. I'm taking a personal day for me. It's a mental health day and it's yeah. something that I need to do for me. However, those concerns about COVID are valid. 
I had them whenever I went out today. It was difficult. Your video showed people very close and that made me very nervous. Yes, people were close. We tried to maintain distance in the beginning, but it became very difficult. I kept my mask on the whole time. Anthony kept his mask on the whole time, but there were people taking their masks off. So, I mean, it is scary and that is a valid fucking thing to be scared about. Right, Um, especially because like I've just been... For me, it's like I've been sitting inside for so long and I also have responsibility of a small child that I have to care for. So it just doesn't I don't think you have feel to justify right to me. it to but anyone. What pissed, but what pissed me off today, because I've been sitting home and not protesting, some motherfucker who's renovating their bathroom walked into the house with no mask on and the mom didn't realize that she didn't have her mask on. They're standing right next to each other walking along the house and I am like... I, I stopped myself from yelling at him, but I told his parents, I said, if I see him one more time come in this house without a mask on, I will yell at him. And, well, they, and here's, they didn't here's even the seem thing. to care. I was irate. They didn't seem to care. I disinfected everything after he left. I was so pissed. Here's the other part of that. For people who are going out and protesting, because I do think it is necessary. And yes. I think if you are able to, then then do it. However, for Anthony and I, we don't go out and see anyone. We work from home. We stay home. So for us, when we go out and we do something like this, we know that for the next two weeks, what that means is that we have to stay home. Right. Like we have to stay home. We have to order things in. We can't go out and see people because we don't know. So we know that we were negative before this. We did the tests. So um, there's that. But we don't know what will happen in the next two weeks. So for right. people who are going out and protesting... If you are working closely with other people and you have to be out with other people, maybe reconsider it, maybe find something else to do. Um, or if you are in close proximity to an elderly family member, maybe reconsider it. There are lots of things that you can do. There are lots of organizations that you can donate. Um, my friend or my podcasting friend, Courtney Kosak, who is um, the host of a podcast called Private Parts Unknown, she has been doing uh, a thing where she is she had a bunch of nude photos taken. And anybody who is donating $50 or more to Black Lives Matter uh, gets a nude from her. So I love it. Look into that. She's already, as of last night, she had raised $4,000. I'm sure she's raised more um, as of right now. That's so, wild. I actually just wanted to say that my best friends, Katie and Caitlin, and I, well, they've started it because we're separated. They have to bring me all my stuff, but we are making our own prints different Black Lives Matter prints and designs. My friend Caitlin is an amazing graphic designer, like Unreal. And so, but she's trusting me and Katie to do some of them too. And we're going to sell them 20 bucks a piece coming up sometime. And 100% of the proceeds are going to be donated. So yeah, there are lots of ways to help out. And that's what I was trying to say is like, everyone has a lane and your lane does not have to be, especially not right now during a pandemic, your lane does not have to be being a person who's out there doing the stuff. Like it doesn't have to be that there are lots of ways in which you can actively really helpfully contribute. And one of those ways is one of the biggest ways, I think, is have the fucking hard conversations with your family members, white people, especially, but also me being half white. Yeah. Have the difficult conversations, post the difficult shit on social media, open that shit up because I know it's hard. I've I'm conflict avoidant and I don't usually do it. But 
I I am doing it because yeah. it's important. I've actually had a lot of really great conversations with T. It was great this morning. There's a website, if any of you have kids, called Brain Pop. And there's also Brain Pop Junior. And I'm obsessed with it. So he loves history, but he doesn't get history classes yet. So I give him my own history class on this website. And they show like the new videos or the trending videos all the time. And one of the trending videos was civil rights. So he watched it and we paused it every once in a while. And I would be like, what do you see here? What do you notice? Like specifically there was um like a cartoon drawing of these protesters and there's a black lives matter sign there's a uh white silence is violent sign there was a sign of pictures of you know black men's faces on it so i just kind of started asking him questions of what he sees what he thinks it means correcting him if he maybe thinks something different um explaining what black lives matter means and he got really into it and by himself ended up watching like three or four other videos involving civil rights including like jim crow fanny lou hamer he watched because i told him that i did um an episode on her and uh what was the other reconstruction was the other one after the civil war so he started getting into yeah. that today which made me really really amazing. proud of him yeah that's amazing and i i truly believe like talk to your kids about race if you've got kids talk to them um because we are or at least i in the 90s was raised with this kind of like rosy rose color even though i experienced racism around me there was all of this like rose colored glasses racism doesn't exist anymore well that's a lot of gaslighting for you right there's a lot of colorblind kind of conversations and that doesn't help anybody so talk to your kids about race talk to your family members about their view challenge their viewpoints because here's the other part of it as angry as i am i also know that Nothing comes from yelling at people on social media. Like, it doesn't work. It doesn't change their mind. What comes from it is having these conversations, preferably face-to-face whenever it's safe to do so again. Right. Um, have these conversations with people. Uh, that's what's going to change people's hearts and minds, honestly. And at the end of the day, if you can't change their hearts or minds, fuck them. And you fuck can go em. ahead and cut them off. I don't give a shit. Um, one thing that I did want to touch on is there, guys, we we still have an election in November. Yep. Uh, and we do need to get this motherfucker out because the shit that he pulled this week, I mean, we could go on for another fucking 15 minutes about that. Uh, it's a nightmare. The way that he has been responding to this has yeah. been a, a fucking nightmare. Could but, we have expected anything else, really? Like, he's no. the worst president for this time. But honestly, all this is probably happening yes. because he's president, too. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, this sh- this shit was bound to boil over at some point. However, having him in office definitely pushed it. Yep. I do. I do think it pushed it. Um, but we do all still need to show up and vote in November and not just in November. There are primaries that are happening this whole month. Uh, there was one on Blackout Tuesday. That was part of the criticism that I saw to Blackout Tuesday. There were primaries in many states on Tuesday, uh, the second. There is also one coming up on June 9th in Georgia and West Virginia. And there's also coming up uh, on June 23rd, one in Kentucky and New York. Please get out and vote or vote by mail. Do whatever you need to do. But also educate yourselves on who is running locally. It's more than just the president. Um, You know, it's more than just that. Yeah. So I know we're running a little long. I did have one positive thing. Please. That I thought we could kind of end on. 
The primaries in Missouri happened on the 2nd, I believe, and Ella Jones became the first black mayor of Ferguson, Missouri. Yes, she did. what amazing timing, given that Ferguson, after 2014, that was the first time that I ever went to a protest after Mike Brown was killed, and it was around the same time as um, Tamir Rice. Mm -hmm. It was after Trayvon Martin, so... That was the first time that I went to a protest was during the Ferguson uprising, as it is now referred to on Wikipedia, which I appreciate that they Mm -hmm. changed it uh, because I do believe it used to say Ferguson riots. Right. Um, But Ella Jones, she is the first woman to leave Missouri City since the protest took place in 2014. uh, And she was a councilwoman. And she said, my election gives people hope. Everybody is looking for a change. Everybody wants to have a better way of life. You don't want to go four blocks and worry about getting shot. Nobody wants that. It is starting to get better. We are making changes. She said, I have been living in injustice all my life. I didn't just get exposed to it because I became a city council member. So that's wonderful. I'm happy that that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know. life is really hard right now so it's good to have some kind of positivity exactly exactly there was a few other things that I had in my notes as well that were somewhat positive but not mm, not quite so I'm glad that you had something good for us to end on all right well we are concerned about all of you and would love to know how all of you are doing we really appreciate all of you reaching out to us for resources I actually did post just a USA Today article to our bio today because I want to put something up quickly because someone was asking for resources Um, but on there it has all of the specific resources for George Floyd I do want to put something up that's going to be more general but tomorrow I want to specifically change it to Breonna Taylor so today Mm -hmm. Friday when this episode is coming out it would be Brianna Taylor's birthday so I am working on a birthday card for her right now that I am going to post on my page I'm not going to be posting anything to do with me for a while on my own Instagram page it's all going to be this stuff um so that's what I'm working on right now yeah Awesome. And I, I do want to say, I do want to throw this out there because I feel like I came in strong <laughs> about the looting. It's only because I'm fucking tired of hearing about that narrative. But I do want to say, here's the thing, because I do care about small business owners. Yes. I do care about that. And I, I am upset about that situation. It is an unfortunate situation. So consider finding the small businesses that have been affected in your area and donating to them. Consider Mm -hmm. going out and helping to clean up. I know a lot of people have been doing that. Get your broom, get some trash bags, go out, help clean up, see what you can do for the businesses in your area. Take care of your communities um, because that is important as well. And I'm not trying to downplay that at all. No, definitely not. I think that that's totally fair. I think it's a great idea. So like I said, we'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist on Instagram. You can also follow us there. We also have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on that business page and you can chat with our other listeners on the group page. Let's see. Am I missing anything else besides Radio Public? Oh, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate it. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. And I want to say happy Pride Month. Yes. Pride was a riot. Pride was a riot. 
Pride was a riot started by a trans black woman, nonetheless. Amen. Amen. So happy Pride, you guys. We know it's been a downer so far, but yeah, this, you know is, this is part of it. And continue to stay safe. I mean that with the coronavirus. I mean that with protesting. I mean that with your mental health right now. Stay safe in all contexts of the words, all right? <laughs> we yeah, love absolutely. you. <laughs> with all of that being said, we encourage you to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.